This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey gang, the podcast starts in a moment, but first, today's edition of Screen Talk Emmy Edition is presented by the HBO original series Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David returns to HBO to star as, well, Larry David, living the good life out in Los Angeles and stumbling through one faux pas after another. Emmy eligible for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other categories. Welcome to Screen Talk Emmy Edition. We are in the middle of nominations period. In the thick of it, in the thick of it, <laughs> feeling the excitement. So here's Michael Schneider, our executive editor in charge of all things TV and uh, at IndieWire. And, and I am the interloper from the film side, uh, but a true TV fan. And we're going to look at the dramatic acting categories and we're going to start with dramatic actor and or drama actor as the case may be and based on what the gold derby folks are saying it looks like this is us is leading the pack all the way with sterling k brown who won last year and uh Milo Ventimiglia, is that how you say his name? Uh, Milo Ventimiglia, who, Mm -hmm. of course, this was his big year because uh, of of the infamous uh, episode where we found out what happened to Jack and, uh, you know, R.I.P. Jack Pearson and damn you, Crockpot, the 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 infamous Super Bowl episode. So so that's why Milo is is uh, trending extra high this year. Can he take Sterling, though? Um, I doubt it. (laughs) There's something very special about Sterling K. Brown. You know, anyone who meets him, anyone who watches him, you know, there's a glow about him. A decency. A decency. He's a real actor. I mean, everyone here is obviously a real actor, but there's something about his detail to the craft. Uh, He's he's very, like, you know, he's strong-willed, but also very emotional. He he seems to really be embracing the, the recent success. And, you know, like you mentioned, he won last year. And so, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see him uh, do it again. He would be the first person since uh, Brian Cranston uh, back in, uh, you know, 08, 09 and uh, 2010 to actually win back to back Best Actor Emmys. Uh, so so it's uh, he, he was uh, he was the only one to do that in a while. James Spader actually did it twice in the uh, 2000s, once for the practice, once for Boston Legal back to back. But well, I to confess that there's a part of me that likes the idea that the Americans, which is so popular and has really surged in the last two seasons, if that Matthew Reese couldn't just move to the front of the pack, uh, out of, you know, as as an alternative. It would be nice. And by the way, this is his last chance, right? So yep. if, if uh, he doesn't get it this year, then, then that's it. And, and of course, a, a great way to say farewell to the Americans would uh, be to give him something. But I do think it's tough to go up against Sterling K. Brown. I think <laughs> just, you know, you continue to give Sterling all the awards and, and no one's mad about it. So it's true. So, That's true. So. And I wouldn't be either. So Freddie Highmore seems to be in contention for the good doctor. Is that even a, a remote possibility for a nomination? 
Oh yeah, absolutely for a nomination. Good Doctor was the you know if if this is us last year was the big broadcast surprise. This year it was the Good Doctor, which is one of the most watched shows on television and was a big hit for ABC. And Freddie Highmore is is another actor who people really like. Uh, you know, of course they remember him They've from grown Bates up Motel. With him. Yeah, grew up with him, but he's he's a very accomplished, smart actor who's also a producer. And I think uh, you know that was a tough role uh, to to play an autistic doctor and and to try to figure out how to show enough emotion but not too much emotion in that character and, and to carry a show with with that kind of weight on his shoulders uh, he did a great job so he's definitely in contention for a nomination um you know uh, other names on the list include uh, Leah schreiber for ray donovan and you know jason bateman for ozark now, i don't see it that's that that's you know obviously he was probably more likely up until a few weeks ago when the whole Arrested Development debacle uh, tarnished Jason Bateman a little bit. Uh, you know, he's he he. Uh, you know, obviously you he remember didn't the, come the, out of that smelling well. I have not to say. at all, not at all. Is even the, if he apologized afterwards, it's a little too little, too late. Still, you know, made, they were trying to save the series. They were trying to to yeah. be solid in support of of their show, and I don't think they realized how they were coming off. No, no. And ultimately, you know, the thing that everyone remembers from that is that they made Jessica Walter cry. And and when it comes time to vote for someone, you just you can't stop thinking about that. And and yeah, I think that opens the door for, you know, Kit, Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. So, so Kit Harrington has a cha- chance now that Game of Thrones is back um, yeah. and he had a really good season. Why wouldn't he be uh, a favorite here? Oh, I, th- I think I think he's a possibility, as is Jeffrey Wright from Westworld. Uh, Bernard was really good this season. I have to say, it's all on him. He's like the the biggest character on the whole show, and he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know the, playing this this robot who isn't a robot, who's more than a robot. You know, I mean, he's extraordinary. I think. Yeah, and I think uh, you know Ed Harris could still be in the mix as well, just because he's had a lot to play with this season on that show. True. Um, you and know, J.K. Other... Simmons is getting great reviews for Counterpart, which I have not sampled yet. Have you had a chance to look at it? No, and I think that that may be an issue with a lot of folks right. is that they haven't had time to to check it out. But he is J.K. Simmons, and people do love him. He's playing uh, yeah. two parts. He's playing yeah. apparently doing an, an extraordinary acting job with that. And then there's uh, you know, Jonathan Groth, who I think is extraordinary in Mindhunter and, and just does more with, with what could be a sort of stiff figure FBI man than you would ever expect. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Rami Malek is, you know, he won the Emmy in 2016, but Mr. Robot just isn't on the radar like no. it was in the mm-hmm. beginning. So so that's that's a tougher one to, to kind of look at. Then I think uh, we're kind of getting beyond the, the realm of the possible below no, this. Yeah, yeah. No. And then after that, you've got some interesting names. But, uh, you know, I can tell you a name that won't be on this list is James, James Franco. <laughs> I saw the same thing. <laughs> Why is he on the list? He's not happening. All right. Yeah, so so if we go, well, which brings up the question, as long as we're talking about The Deuce, which, by the way, is a show I really admire, David Simon's show about... Uh, the, the the New York uh, CD side of Times Square back in the in the day in the seventies, um, which I think they did a great job with. And why would is is the fact that James Franco is tarnished? Does that also rub off on Maggie Gyllenhaal? Unfortunately for her, because she's so good in it. Yeah, um, 
That's a good question. It's it's hard to get into the the, the mindset of of the voters, but it it obs- it, it doesn't help. So I think anytime something doesn't help, then yeah, it uh, it uh, probably rubs off a little bit and and hurts the deuce overall, which um, you know is unfortunate because, like you mentioned, David Simon, yeah, and uh, it's it's an interesting uh, they, you know, that show might might still uh, find some success in Below the Line because yes, I, it should. I think as as we've talked about, they did a fantastic job of recreating Times Square in, in the 70s. Yeah. All right. So back to drama actress then. Um, at the top of the list, no surprise, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, which is, which is still playing out. I think they're up to episode 10 at this point. Yeah. And obviously she won last year. So I think we'll probably have a repeat of both Sterling K. Brown and Elizabeth Moss, last year's winners, picking it up again this year. And again, that would be the first back-to-back win for an actress since Claire Danes did it back in uh, 2012 and 2013. Speaking of Claire Danes, according to this chart, uh, even though she had an extraordinary season, she doesn't seem to be in the running at all, whereas Mandy Patinkin is more uh, ahead of her in some ways. In in For some homeland. ways, yeah. and that may just be down to, uh, you know, the competitive uh, nature of, of those different races. But, uh, yeah, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. You know, you and I still watch Homeland. We still love Homeland. But I think for a good chunk of people, they, they kind of tuned they it out. They, yeah. they had a great run, but then they, they kind of moved on from it. It's too bad. They're missing out on a lot of good stuff. But uh, they probably still think of Homeland as, as the show with uh, Damien Lewis and, and uh, you know, more about that terrorism. That was a long that, time ago. That's that's and, when the show was at its height, and that's when it, yeah. uh, you know, that's when Damian Lewis won an Emmy, and Claire Danes won an Emmy, and uh, you know, Homeland won an Emmy, 2012. That's uh, Homeland won, Damian Lewis won, and Claire Danes won. That was the height of of the show's success uh, at the Emmys. All right, so we're back on for this year, looking at Best Actress, and I would have to say for drama, Claire Foy has to be uh, the biggest uh, competitor to Elizabeth Moss. And I would argue, with all the attention she got, all of the um, controversy about her pay grade and all of that with Matt Smith, and they made it good, they they took care of her, but even so, uh, I would think she would have some advantages this year. Yeah, I'd say some. And it's interesting that, you know, it's it's really, uh, you know, about female empowerment, just as The Handmaid's Tale is. So you do have, uh, you know, the two front runners who, who both, you know, really, you know, send a strong signal about uh, representation and, and female empowerment, uh, you know, both in Hollywood and in society in general. So so that is an interesting race there. But uh, of course, don't count Carrie Russell out for the same reasons we weren't counting Matthew Reese out final season. Uh, Carrie Russell hasn't won an Emmy yet and definitely deserves one. So this is her last chance. It would be lovely to see her stand up on stage and, and pick up some some gold. Uh, so, you know, she's definitely in the mix. And as I was saying uh, about Westworld and Jeffrey Wright, um, this is a season where Evan Rachel Wood has totally come into her own, uh, oh, you know, as the pistol-packing yeah. uh, robot yeah, yeah. rebel. <laughs> She's really fantastic in this, and uh, I would think she would have some... I always wondered, though, if the fact that she was a robot would be a limitation on some level. Maybe she's not as emotional as some of the other performers in this mix. 
I think less so this season because she is scary. She is. is she is scary this season. Uh, that that's powerful stuff. And and you know, looking at some of these roles, I mean, these are great, great, powerful, strong female roles for for all of these front runners. So it's it's this is a very exciting race this year. And then there's Mandy Moore, uh, with the ever perpetually popular "This Is Us." I yeah, she seems lighter weight to me than these well, other women. You know, not so much this year. I, I'd say, you know, the, the, again, that Super Bowl episode where she had to deal, her character had to deal with the death of her husband and, and that, those, those scenes where she, she, you know, had to react and at first was sort of shell shocked. I mean, that, that was, that was some powerful stuff. Very, very strong performance by her. And again, it's, you know, for This Is Us, it was the season of her and uh, Milo Ventimiglia, which is why you see the two of them sort of, uh, you know, mostly leading the way this year in terms of uh, standings in these uh, you know, races so far. All right, then we see Laura Linney, who's a very, very respected actress uh, for her performance in Ozark. Um, is she also weaker than she would have been otherwise? Um, maybe, probably not. I think she's probably about where she should be. Um, you know, there's a lot of great shows, a lot of great performances here. So if she's, she's still in the running, so that, that's still good. There's, uh, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones and, and then the sleeper hit of the year, Killing Eve, Sandra O. Oh. Yes. Which, uh, has only been picking up steam and buzz and people are talking about it. And I guess this is the standard issue question with the Emmys, which is that the established shows, if they haven't become too old news, like Homeland, have an advantage over the brand new shows, which many people may not have discovered. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, Killing Eve in, in, in many ways is sort of the new generation of, uh, you know, Orphan Black was the little show that could for BBC America for a long time and, and finally led to Tatiana Maslany winning the Emmy in, in 2016. So, you know, there's a chance that Killing Eve could be the next sort of slow burn for, for BBC America that starts to get a lot of attention, a lot of critical acclaim and, you know, could end up with uh, some, some at least Emmy, Emmy feels. Uh, even if it's still a long shot to actually win anything. So I have to say that this list is looking very white at the moment. We have to go down to number 11 on at least the Gold Derby predicting chart here to get to Viola Davis and number 12 for Angela Bassett. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's that's a good point. Uh, Viola Davis did win in 2015 for How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, that show is aging now, so it's not in in contention. Uh, Angela Bassett for for 911. You know, that's a procedural show. It's Ryan Murphy, but it's more procedural, which makes it a, a, a tougher case these days for Emmys to to really pay attention to. But uh, yeah, no, you're you're right. It is it is very white. Uh, you know, Sandra O. Oh, uh, you know, also being an actress of color on this list. But um, it yeah, strikes not- me that that is an advantage for her at this moment in time. Um, hate to say it that way, but uh, I have a funny feeling she could make it. Uh, Sandra? 
Mm-hmm. That that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, that would be, you know, and I think, again, that show is peaking at the right time. People are really talking about it. It just ended its run. It was uh, a show that improved its rating every single week it was on the air. It's It was a nice surprise for BBC America. And I think, you know, people like Sandra Oh from her days on Grey's Anatomy and, and to see her now lead a show was a whole new revelation for a lot of folks. So yeah, that'd be fantastic. All right. So now we're going to look at drama series um, and the predictions are going, needless to say, uh, it's a race. It's a race between The Handmaid's Tale and Game of Thrones, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two. Now it's tough because those are obviously the two uh, most recent winners. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones won it both in 2015 and 2016, but then took a season off, which allowed Handmaid's Tale to sneak back in. But for the first time ever, both of those shows are in the race at the same time. So... It you know it's it it could be either the uh, odds makers are are giving the leading edge to Handmaid's Tale just because it's a uh, feels you know it's it's the most recent winner it's a little more in the zeitgeist it's a newer show it's on right now as we speak uh, it feels you know again as as relevant as today's headlines if uh, if not a little too close for comfort I mean that would be my question my question is are the Emmy voters going to go with the escapist, spectacular, adventure splendor of Game of Thrones, which is just, you know, delivered on such an extraordinarily cinematic, big-budget scale, or are they going to be a little depressed, a little somber, a little too disturbed by The Handmaid's Tale? That's a question, I think. Yeah, and, and, and you know, there's also the, the question that we've talked about before, which is how many people are actually watching Handmaid's Tale versus how many will vote for it. And, and, you know, I still believe there is a percentage of voters who will check that box because they know it's an important show. They, they want uh, to, to reward it, but it's too hard for them to watch themselves. So, you know, you're hearing some of that. Um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hearing some of that. So, and then this is us is the heart tugger, the, the one that reaches into the emotions yeah, and I think this is us. Uh, you know, that was one that probably was was had had much more of a possibility of winning last year uh, because we weren't sure what, where Handmaid's Tale was going to land, and and there is that great story of this is us being the the broadcast show that's cutting through the one of the few these days. Uh, it'll definitely get a nomination again this year. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to see it winning versus Handmaid's Tale or Game of Thrones, but at least it will be a nominee as will The Crown. Uh, Which I would, I mean, we've talked about this before. If it were me, I would have The Crown much higher up than this. I don't understand its relative, uh, I mean, it's in the top five, but a lot of Stranger Things, by the way, also from Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I'd say The Crown feels about right. I mean, Handmaid's Tale, Game of Thrones, that's definite one, two. And then, you know, you got to have the, the 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 broader broadcast show somehow get in there. It's the one broadcast representation. I don't so. know. Do people think that way? Is that really how they think? I, I think there's still an older audience, uh, an older uh, Emmy voting body, if you like, may may still gravitate a little more toward yeah the mainstream uh, show. So, Crown, uh, you know, as as sort of the the fourth pick among odds makers, that feels about right to me. Um, you know, Stranger Things still in the mix, interestingly. Uh, Westworld, 
the big question there. Uh, I know. agree because the word on the street on Westworld. I mean, I'm hanging in. I'm, I'm into it. I'm, I'm on, I'm on board. But a lot of people are saying they can't make heads or tail of it. It's too confusing. They're, it's too violent this season. They're really checking out. I, I was just talking to someone yesterday about this who told me that she had just checked out. She, she finally like couldn't keep up with it and and was was stressed out about it and finally just cut the cord <laughs> and, and feels okay with it. Is at peace with with letting go well, of Westworld. Sometimes you have to read the recaps in order to know what the hell is going on. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure that's appropriate really. Well, you know what's funny is she told me that instead of watching the show, she's just going to keep up by reading the recaps. <laughs> this is what we resort to these days. And then there's the Americans. So it's the actors on the Americans who are in better shape than the show itself. Well, I hope the show, I mean, again, last chance for it to, to get a nomination, uh, uh, you know, to be in contention to win. So I would hope, and I would assume that it will be nominated. So Fingers crossed on that. And then, of course, the show that's jumping, jumping up, uh, getting getting all that steam, Killing Eve. That, that'll be a nice surprise if that makes it into the uh, nomination tally as well. But it could. And then there's Ozark. And then there's Mindhunter, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I think Netflix has done a lot to promote it, for sure. I mean, I'd, I have to assume this is on people's minds. It's a popular show. Why would you say that it's, you know, at this moment in 10th place? Because of all those shows we just mentioned. I mean, yeah, Mindhunter's fine, but is it, uh, you know, more popular than The Americans or Westworld or Stranger Things or The Crown or This Is Us? No. Hmm. You gotta, gotta, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is this part of the problem with only having room for seven shows at most in, in these series categories. They should expand them to 10. And even then, you'll have plenty of snubs. We talk about this every week, I feel like. We do. And, and that's part of it is you've got great shows that you know, are, are far below just because they can't make it in there. The Good Fight, uh, you know, Homeland, 13 Reasons Why. Billions. So billions, yeah. Um, Which is a popular show. I'm not saying it's a great show, but it's one that people like. It's yeah. And it continues to grow in in interest and and buzz as well. All right. Well, this is where we are. Um, We will uh, reconvene um, uh, when we talk about the uh, we have one more week of predictions and then we have an actual nominations. Yeah, nominations are coming up fast and furious on July 12th. So yeah, we'll take uh, July 4th week off so we can all kind of rest and, and uh, you know, take take a breather, maybe catch up on some shows. So we're, we're nice, nice and ready. Um, so uh, what, uh, what's what else is interesting you right now? And what what uh, what kind of headlines? We were just talking offline that uh, well, the Disney you know, changes are pretty huge. Yeah, um, where we have the uh, we, I expected, I think most people expected Pete Docter, who's been with Pixar from the very beginning and was involved in the original Toy Story as an animator, uh, to be named uh, to replace John Lasseter, who's now, of course, leaving under, uh, finally, for real, leaving right. under a cloud of, of sexual uh, harassment. Uh, and now um, it looks like he's going to run Pixar. And Jennifer Lee, this was a little more of a surprise, I thought, would be running alone, uh, not with some guy at her side, uh, the the entire Disney animation uh, section alongside Pixar, which is wonderful, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, to some degree, it does feel like they'll be able to not miss a step. I mean, these are people who know this business and who, you know, did a ton under Lassiter. And Frozen, of course, is Jennifer Lee's uh, great claim to fame. Uh, but she's worked on a lot of other things like Wreck-It Ralph and Zootopia. And she's just a, a super valuable writer, creator, animator. And I think I think they're doing the right thing. And by the way, I mean, talk about timing, obviously, uh, you know, choosing after that, that amazing weekend for Incredibles to open uh, to, to announce this, uh, obviously, the, the time to announce something like this. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of the great uh, openings uh, in a long time for an animated film. And and they're back on top. So uh, Pixar is never to be underestimated. And their brain trust, as they call it, is very deep, very, very rich. And uh, I think they're going to do uh, just fine. Um, and what else is going on? Uh, of course, you I heard you and Joe Adalian uh, going on about the the changes occurring with uh, ATT and what's it? called now warner media is that the new War, name yeah. warner media one word kind of like indie wire with the capital <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the middle but uh yeah you know it's it's uh you know the, the the big question now of what happens especially with the disney versus comcast in in picking up those 21st century fox assets and you know comcast is making this huge all-cash deal uh an, an incredible deal to to pick off uh you know those assets. So we're waiting on Disney to, to find out, uh, you know, what their response is, uh, what, what kind of uh, counter offer uh, can they make to stay in the hunt? Uh, and ultimately, uh, you know, what does uh, Rupert do? Um, the other thing that's interesting is the speculation on Twitter that Rupert, who of course is the model for this other show that's been playing uh, Succession, which is pretty entertaining, uh, a kind of King Lear drama about a bunch of children who, who are fighting for, for control of, of their father's uh, uh, empire. Um, yeah. What you have uh, r right now is the situation where... Um, you don't know exactly how uh, Fox News and the Fox assets uh, are going to relate to one another, especially right now with this border thing going on with the families being separated and the politics that are heightened and explosive between the Democrats and the Republicans and Trump and Sessions and all of this. And Fox News' coverage is upsetting so many people that people within the realm of Fox productions and the Fox network are rebelling and, and, and fighting. Talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've wondered for a long time what it was going to take for, for the folks inside, uh, you know, 21st century Fox to, to finally sort of rebel. You know, they've, they've never uh, liked being associated with Fox news and have, you know, obviously Fox news and the Fox network and the Fox production units uh, are completely separate, uh, you know, and, and operate under their own fiefdoms. But nonetheless, it's always been a bone of contention for folks who work inside Fox to have to put up with the fact that their, their corporate cousins are this, you know, propaganda state media machine, uh, you know, and they make fun of Fox news on the Simpsons and on family guy, et cetera. But it's still frustrating to, for, for them to be inside there and to see what this company is also uh, doing. You know, uh, last year I moderated a panel with the, the, the Simpsons producers and half jokingly, half seriously, one of the panelists noted that, hey, you know, 
Matt Groening, uh, what does it feel like knowing that it was because of the riches you made Fox that allowed them to basically invest in creating Fox News Channel in the first place? Aye, aye, aye. What did he say? He he kind of laughed and said, "You're right. You know, it's. I, th- I think it does weigh a little bit on him in, in that you know it was you know I, ironically the the fortunes that." Uh, you know, Rupert made on the FBC, on the Fox network that allowed him to do that in the first place and created this monster that we're dealing with now. So you've got Steve Levitan, you've got uh, uh, Seth uh, MacFarlane, you've got a few others who work inside Fox, uh, you know, now saying that uh, they no longer want to be associated with a company that owns Fox News Channel, which I wish they had said that a couple years ago. It's going to matter less going forward once Comcast or Disney owns uh, their production units and, and, uh, you know, that leverage will be gone. The leverage will be gone. So there, there's not much time for them to have that kind of leverage. And the suggestion, exactly. And it's, and the suggestion is that Murdoch anticipated this, that he understood this and wanted to get away from it. And that helps to explain part of why he was willing to sell these assets in the first place, which did come as a surprise when he announced it. And in other words, we didn't all think that Fox was the weak you you know studio that we thought they were the strong studio yeah yeah and you know i think i think he also you know he did see that there there was no way that they were going to get any bigger uh they 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 weren't in acquisition mode so he decided to cash out and uh you know not that he needed more money but uh uh you know cash out and focus on some of these core assets uh you know that are more his hobby anyway you know he's he's still uh you know considers himself a newsman more than anything else uh so yeah and the point that you were making uh with joe was that is finally as these entities are all getting bigger in order to compete with with netflix and amazon and so on it's really silicon valley that is going to be in charge of of what we consider to be hollywood it's really uh AT&T and 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 um, you know Facebook and and Apple and all of the the big silicon valley companies and yeah you can't you can't compete against these companies that can just layer on debt that don't need to be profitable netflix isn't profitable and it's not going to be for a long time they they keep spending more and more money and you know you can't do that when when you're a hollywood production company you 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 have to post a profit but they're going to give HBO the the new owners are going to give them a lot more money to play with, right? Uh, I I would I suppose so, but you know not the kind of money that Netflix has. <laughs> yeah, no. What's their budget? Eight billion dollars. Eight billion dollars a year. Unbelievable. Well, thank you, Michael. We'll talk Thanks, next week. Sounds good. See bye, you then. Bye. Bye.